My name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a couple of my favorite cookbooks, what makes a good cookbook, and what makes a cookbook that might not be so great. I would be the first person to say that I love cookbooks. I believe that hardcover, real-life, hold-it-in-your-hand books will never go out of style. It's sort of trendy these days to, whenever you want to cook something, you just Google it, or you go on Pinterest and you search by a keyword, like an ingredient or a recipe, and you come up with literally a million hits for different ideas for things you could make. And that's awesome, and I've definitely gotten so many ideas off of Pinterest and Google when I'm trying to learn how to cook something or cook something I've never tried before. But I think cookbooks are something special. I think there's something really great about cookbooks that you just can't get online. I think one of the things that makes a great cookbook is that right away when you pick it up, you should know immediately what kinds of recipes are going to be inside and whether this cookbook is meant for someone like you. For example, one of the cookbooks I have here is called the $5 a meal college vegetarian cookbook. Well, Right away, we know exactly who the audience is, and we can tell that it matches someone like me, a vegetarian, a college student, someone who's on a budget. So not every cookbook is going to be spelled out quite as simply as this, but I think when you're looking at a cookbook, you should be able to tell within flipping the first few pages, maybe reading the description on the back, is this cookbook a cookbook that's meant for someone like me and for some of the things that I want to be making? I think another really important thing about cookbooks is that it should be pretty obvious right away um, whether the recipes are meant for someone of your level. For example, if the cookbook is aimed at beginners or if it says somewhere in the description that these are simple, easy, quick recipes, then flipping through it should be pretty obvious that they are in fact simple, quick, easy. Um, you know, few ingredients, ingredients you recognize, easily accessible ingredients, things you find at your grocery store, um, cooking methods that are easy, don't take that long. If that's what you're looking for, then the recipe should match up pretty, pretty well to that. Maybe not every recipe in the book, but certainly a good number of them. On the other hand, if you're looking for recipes for something that's more advanced, maybe something like bread making or um, recipes like fermenting recipes that take a while, the recipes that you're looking for in the book should match what you're thinking of. You know, they should take few hours, a few days, they might have longer ingredient lists, be a bit more complicated, they might require different equipment, depending on what you're trying to do. But again, a good cookbook will spell this out for you within the first few pages, typically. Um, another good example I have here is the Indian-ish cookbook by Priya Krishna. This is a sort of an American Indian's, an American Indian woman's take on Indian and American food and that of her family. So it talks a lot about recipes that she grew up eating, um, the Indian ingredients and American preparation or the other way around, for example. And she spells out within the first few pages, unfamiliar spices, unfamiliar cooking techniques, and a whole bunch of other things that me, the you know white Minnesotan American reader wouldn't know about Indian cooking. I think also one of the good things about cookbooks, and certainly something a good cookbook will have in it, is it'll be pretty obvious right away the types of recipes that are in the book. And this is something that can get really tricky if you're searching online. Let's say I'm trying to make an appetizer because I have a group of people coming over and I want to, to serve something right away when they get there. 
Well, if I'm searching online, I might not exactly find what I'm looking for. It might take me a while. I can sure search appetizers, or I can search vegetarian, or I can search, you know, whatever. But I'll have to read through every single recipe to see, well, what's the serving size? How long is it going to take to make? What are the ingredients? Do I have those? And so forth and so on. Versus a cookbook like this one here. Pull it out. Got The Forest Feast Gatherings by Erin Gleason. And this book right away tells you, um, it says even on the front, simple vegetarian menus for hosting family and friends. And when you start to flip through it, you realize that the recipes are generally scaled for about eight people. They're all vegetarian and they're all simple to make. You can either make them ahead of time. They, they either can keep well and be reheated or you make them right away and they only take a few minutes before you serve them and put them out. And that's really one of the best things I think about cookbooks is that when you're looking for a recipe, cookbooks sort of, almost dropped everything, oops. Cookbooks sort of group together all the things that you want in a recipe and you have a much smaller list of things to choose from, which I think is a good thing. I'd rather search through 100 recipes to find something to make rather than a million, the, one, the hits I might get online. And I think when you're looking for specific types of foods that you want to make, cookbooks sort of gather those together by theme and they're really organized. Like I talked about at the beginning, um, you can get a cookbook based on a specific type of cuisine or a culture like Indian, Mexican, Thai, French food. You can get a cookbook based around a certain ingredient. You know, maybe you have, you know, everything about peanut butter cookbook or an avocado cookbook. I actually do own an avocado cookbook. Um, there might be uh, cookbooks centered around certain eating styles like vegetarian or vegan or, you know, the Atkins diet or a gluten-free diet. There might be specific cookbooks grouped around uh, medical needs, um, like a gluten-free cookbook. And I think that's really awesome because cookbooks can make it a lot easier to find something to make because they do a lot of that sorting for you um, that the internet might do and they get only the best results and put them before you for you to search through. Um, so the cookbooks I'm going to be reviewing today and talking a little bit about what I like about them and what I don't, um, as I already said, The Forest Feast Gatherings by Erin Gleason, Indian-ish by Priya Krishna, The $5 a Meal College Vegetarian Cookbook by Nicole Cormier, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nosrat. Run Fast, Eat Slow by Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecki. And The Better Homes Cookbook. Um, before I get into my critiques and my reviews, these cookbooks I all have in my home. I really like all of these. Genuinely, I've cooked out of all of them. And the critiques I have are just from my own personal opinion. I'm not hating on any of these authors. I'm not by any means trying to make anybody feel bad. Um, if any of the authors of these cookbooks happen to listen to this podcast and hear my opinions, uh, well, that would be cool. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, but I really am a huge fan of these cookbooks, and these are just my own personal opinions about them, uh, critiquing them, and then also definitely building them up, hoping other people like them as much as I do. So let's get started. 
I was super, super excited to dive into Run Fast, Eat Slow by Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecki. Um, I'd heard a lot about this book and was super excited to dive in. The pictures and photography in this book are phenomenal. The recipes are all super, super creative. And I think they're really, really fun. I've tried a couple and they're delicious. Um, the ingredients on the lists are a little out there. Some of the ingredients are kind of obscure or hard to find. Um, this book also is definitely speaking to an audience that has a lot of time to go out and procure, procure, procure these items and the money to afford them and the, definitely the time to be cooking um, recipes that take a little bit longer. Um, but if that's what you're looking for, then this is the book for you. I think my one other critique is that Shalane and Elise do talk quite a bit about nutrition in this book and not everything they're saying is evidence-based. Um, I'm kind of picky about evidence-based nutrition, you know, given that I'm going to be a dietitian one day. Um, and I think it's really important that when nutrition and cooking are talked about together, that the information is evidence-based because a lot of people are going to read this book and take everything that they're saying as fact, even if it isn't necessarily a fact. But that's just my critique. I'm kind of picky about that. Other than that, this is a super, super fun book. I really enjoy it and I'm looking forward to reading more of it. And these two women are obviously super talented and I think this book is really cool. I first heard about Indian-ish on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. They had Priya Krishna on to make a couple of her recipes on their channel. And she was so funny and charming and her recipes looked amazing. So I knew I really, really wanted to get this cookbook. I just got it for my birthday last month. She does such a good job of explaining through different cooking techniques, um, spices, where you can get the, some, um, the spices that we're not typically using in American cooking, how to cook and what kinds of lentils to use. And all of her recipes are accompanied by really cute little anecdotes about her family and stories and her mom. I'm a little in love with her mom, to be honest. She is so gorgeous, as is Priya. And they both have put together this really incredible book. I also love the artwork. They have a lot of um, comics drawn throughout the book made to look like Priya and her sister and her mom, and they are gorgeous as well. The couple of recipes I've tried so far from this book have been amazing, and I cannot wait to dive further into it uh, once I procure all of those spices, of course. I guess just a side note also about Indian-ish. I think it is super, super cool. Um... Priya includes kind of an FAQ section at the beginning of the book where she answers commonly asked questions, and one of them is talking about curry and how curry is not actually an Indian food. It's um, kind of a white people, Euro-American concept that's been kind of every culture has its own version except for India at this point. Um, but I think that's a really important piece of uh, cultural cooking is to really understand and do your research on who the authors of the cookbook are and really just learn more about the food and not just what you think the food is, but really, really what the food might be for that culture. I think we've all heard of salt, fat, acid, heat at this point. Um, Samin Nosrat, seriously, I love this book. It doesn't read as much like a cookbook as the others do. I think the first half of it is very much like a textbook. So people who are interested in really the nitty gritty and the science of cooking, you're really going to like this book. I love the artwork. There's not as many photographs of the food, um, which is kind of a bummer, but 
the watercolors and the little uh, handwritten notes throughout the book uh, really make it special. I'm super interested to learn more about salt, fat, acid, and heat in terms of cooking. I think this is a super interesting topic and it has definitely made me a more conscientious and a better chef in thinking about how I make meals or create recipes to be thinking about these elements in each of the dishes. The Better Homes Cookbook I kind of have a love-hate relationship with. I feel like every white person in America has some version or edition of this book in their house. It is just jam-packed. I think there are literally a thousand recipes in this book and a, th and a bunch of variations for the recipes. Um, you know, you can make this kind of bread and then you add cheese and it becomes cheesy bread or you add cinnamon and it becomes cinnamon bread, that kind of thing. I think cookbooks like this are really cool. I think the bummer is that they're all so compact that there's really not a whole lot of like personalization from the author's notes or really any there are a few side panels with like recommendations or tips or like educational bits but I think it's kind of a an impersonal cookbook that's my own real take on it um, a lot of the recipes are very very American very I'd say Midwestern it's very meat and potatoes um, but I think this book, especially for me, I like flipping through it to get ideas from. Even if I don't follow the specific recipe, I'll still get the idea from the book. I also use a lot of their like staple baking recipes. I think I've used their snickerdoodle recipe so many times I can't even count. And like basic cake recipes, like a basic yellow cake. So this book is just full of super like basic baking things that you wouldn't necessarily think about. But it's really nice to have this book because then every time you want to bake snickerdoodles, you can go back to the same book and not have to remember, oh, what website did I get that from again? The $5 per meal college vegetarian cookbook is... I think something a lot of college students would actually really benefit from. The recipes in here, some of them are kind of out there, but some of them seem like they'd be really expensive and they really aren't. I am a little curious and maybe I just need to go ahead and read the introduction and the foreword of the book again. Um, these prices seem a little low if I'm being completely honest and I'm wondering the book was published in 2013 so that could be part of it. Um, so I am really curious about where they and how they calculated the pricing for this. This book doesn't really have any pictures which is kind of a bummer but I really really enjoy just the simplicity of a lot of these recipes. Obviously, I love that they're all vegan and vegetarian, and they're really, really creative. There's a recipe in there where you, like, mix popcorn with, like, cream of something soup and, like, make a thing. It's called, like, popcorn munchies. I forget what page it is on, but I am just intrigued by the creativity of this book, and there's so many recipes in it that I haven't even really begun to dive into all of them, but I think this is a really cool book, and I love the concept of creating a book full of recipes that are affordable for college students. I received the Forest Feast Gatherings as a bridal shower gift actually last fall, and I am in love with it. All the recipes in the book are so gorgeously photographed. They're all really easy, very simple ingredients. I think most of the recipes are like six or seven ingredients or less. And they're all like designed specifically to be easy to make, fun to serve, super uh, crowd pleasing. Um, one of my honestly, my favorite recipes is this peach panzanella here. It is so, so good, but only when you make it with fresh tomatoes and peaches, which really are only in season for like three weeks in Minnesota. <laughs> um, but seriously, I love this book. I recommend this book to pretty much everybody. 
Um, I come from a big family, and here in the cities, even though it's just me and my husband, we have people over a lot uh, to visit. So we really like this book because all the recipes are scaled up to make for a little crowd, which is super helpful. The whole book is vegetarian. It's got lots of tidbits, lots of little tricks for getting food on the table easily, and I think this book is just honestly so incredible. I could gush about it forever. If you're looking to add more cookbooks to your collection, I would highly, highly recommend going to thrift stores or secondhand stores. Um, I got a couple of my cookbooks at a bookstore not too far from me called Half Price Books, and I've seen so many cookbooks at places like Goodwill or Savers. So I would really recommend looking there if you're looking for affordable cookbooks. Some of them might be a little more out of date, but you never know what you're going to find. Um, also, most of the books that I've mentioned are available on Amazon, so another great place to look if you don't mind paying full price for some of the more recent cookbooks. If you liked what you've heard today, liked what you've seen, please feel free to subscribe. Please leave me a comment, leave me a review, leave me a five-star rating, depending on what platform you're listening to me on. Um, follow me on Instagram, I'm at FeedThatNation. Follow my blog, FeedThatNation.com, where I talk recipes, where I talk photography, where I talk podcasts, where I talk adventures. Uh, we have a great time over there. Until next time, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Have a great day, and I'll see you soon.